Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good. I'm feeling very Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Everything's turned to Christmas because here we are just a few days out, a few short days out from Christmas. Uh, but no, I'm doing well. I talked to Frank. I talked to our, our partner and friend, Frank Affronti, today. And he was asking me about picking up some audio to do a interview, a not watch-related interview. And I think I talked his... I talked his uh, patience out, all out of patience, Frank was. He said, hey, look, I got to go. <laughs> He's just done. He's like, I've, <laughs> I've heard literally everything I'm ever willing to hear about this topic. Please never, never bring it up again and forget that we had this conversation. You know, the thing is, I've spent so much time thinking about this stuff for, for our silly little podcast that very few people listen to and and I mean that relatively right uh we, we've got you, you know maybe half again as many listeners as, as we, Joe Rogan as we uh. had a year ago and, and you know certainly more than we had the, we're a good sized podcast in terms of the listenership with that said in the grand scheme of things you know the the effort to impact is is relatively low all that to say I've got all this experience and this background that the amount of time I've spent thinking. So someone wants to know, and I am going to talk about it. Tell them everything I know. That's what we want to know. Until their patience is out. And we all appreciate you for the effort that you've put in for it. <laughs> right? I mean, the, the it, amount the, of, like, you, you, have, you have treated audio recording equipment and, like, amateur audio engineering in the same way that you've treated every other hobby it shows we sound really good it, it's the it's the type it's the type of thing that is it, it, you you would only not appreciate it if i if we hadn't done it well there right? was a time when we weren't doing it and people did not appreciate it yeah that's true that's true yeah. so you you don't appreciate it when you have it you just it's like yeah that's what it should sound like which is almost like it's almost too bad, right? It's like, I wish someone could be like, oh, goddamn, those 40 and 20 guys got the great audio. Anyway. Uh, well, no, it's just like any good back-end stuff. Like, you don't know how good your logistics team is until they're not good. You, you know, we, <laughs> we, we still get the comments sometimes that, that, that we're quiet, and that's because we don't, we don't overboost. You, you know, I stop it when we get to clipping levels or whatever. I, I probably have a little bit of room. But that's something that I, I think I, I always go back to. And I said, eh, I'm just going to keep it quiet. That way it sounds better. You can turn it up in your car. But I know that's a comment people have had. Anyway, we do have new microphones tonight. We do. And they are um, sexy. We, we wound up picking up the uh, Rode PodMic, which is, I think, maybe one of the up-and-coming microphone certainly it's a purpose-built podcast it's, it, hence the name pod mic this is a purpose-built vocal microphone uh I, I think probably folks at home may not notice i will say the logistics of this thing are a little the, the form factor which which to say it's shaped different uh it, it's got 
a little bit different mounting mechanism. It's nicer physically to use. I don't know that there's going to be a huge, if any, discernible change in the audio quality. Oh, I do expect that we'll be competing with Joe Rogan this week. Uh, Joe Rogan famously uses the SM7B, which is like a $400 microphone. This is a, a, a $100 microphone. I, I can't tell in my headset if they actually sound better. Um, I'm a little, I'm, I'm intrigued to listen to what it looks like in, in production quality. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. I, I, again, I don't think there is going to be an appreciable difference, but they are nicer to use. Yeah, because we talk <laughs> into them, and they just sit in front of us. So it's really important that they're ergonomically correct. That's right. And it, it so so do let us know what you think. We're sorry, we'll move on quickly. Do let us know what you think. We're considering getting pop filters for these. If there's plosives, I'll listen to it as well. But let us know if you have problems with that. We'll we'll make changes. Uh, moving on. Andrew, we're not talking about microphones or audio or recording or steam cleaning kids' toys. Rather, we are talking... Yeah, that's if, if you were hearing a strange sound in the background for these last uh, seven minutes, my wife got a steam cleaner today, like a, like a little pod size, like vacuum size steam cleaner, and was steam cleaning a bunch of the uh, things downstairs so somehow this like the pitch of that just like cuts through everything because a lot can happen out there and not get captured by these microphones or be heard in headset uh and i could i could pretty clearly hear that and if it's less than seven minutes that's because we cut out a bunch of audio so instead we are talking about watches because that is what we do this is a watch podcast if you're first if you're if it's your first time here welcome we talk about watches we're going to do, it's been a few weeks, and so we're going to mm. go back and look at some of the things that have happened. We're going to round up some watches, and oh boy, there have been some things. I know I usually have you go first, but I am going to lead because I think one of the most important things that's happened in watches in the last, well, since we've started the show, has finally happened, which is to say Universal Genève has been procured by a legitimate watch-interested group and is going to be revived. So those of you at home uh, thinking, well, isn't Universal Genève been dead? It hasn't been. Universal Genève has been owned since 1989 after kind of being semi-folded at the end of the quartz crisis. Uh, They've been run by a company. And and they've made a couple of comeback attempts, I think, in the 90s and then again in the early 2000s. Uh, the company that was running them has sort of half-heartedly attempted to bring them out. They've been making watches, just not really, they've not really been doing the brand justice. Partner group or partners group, whatever, the private equity firm that owns <laughs> Breitling, you know, all the headlines say Breitling has purchased Universal Genève. I think that's, that's not technically not totally a accurate. A that's right. That's right. With that said, uh, Partners Group purchased Breitling, I think, in 2017 and put George Kern at the helm and has, and, and, and Breitling has subsequently made almost a complete 
180 in terms of their brand equity, their ability to uh, sell watches, and their ability to make cool shit. I, mm-hmm. I think you and I have talked about it a number of times on the show in the last few years. Breitling was really stale. Yes. Really stale, like on the, on the verge of, at least in my mind, like kind of shuddering up. Yeah, that that's right. And I think Breitling and Tag Heuer are the two brands that we've been, you know, sort of at that Swiss pinnacle that that really were kind of submitting low rent entries and have just all of a sudden been in the fold. Because they never fully left, right? They were just like edging off the dance floor and then they turned around and, and dropped it like it was hot. Yeah. Yeah. And so now George Kern, and I may be mispronouncing his first name. I don't, I've read it. I don't think I've ever heard it said, but I'm going to say George Kern is now in charge of putting together a team. Supposedly, there are a number of really good consultants that are going to be involved. I read some comments from Eric Wind. We've been invited, but unfortunately, because of other, yeah, due to other, other, other um, obligations, obligations had to decline. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we we were honored to to have the opportunity though, and we thank the folks at Partners Group. Uh, Eric Wind, who famously probably knows more about old watches than anybody else on earth, has been really optimistic. I think he was on one of the advisory groups leading up to the acquisition, and Eric Wind has been extremely positive, uh, confident that they're going to do a really good job. And and has furthermore said, hey, this is going to be probably years before we start seeing watches. So as exciting as this is, it sounds to me like Breitling and Universal Genève are A, going to be operated independently by different teams, probably both under the tutelage of George Kern, but really separate. And, and they're going to be very deliberate. I think we're going to see in-house movements. Mm-hmm. We're going to see... A, a really focused design language. Um, yeah, I think it's really exciting. And I haven't seen any negativity about the announcement thus far. No, because it can it can be bad. But it won't be bad. It's it, the right group taking up this almost zombie brand. Yeah, almost, There's but not quite zombie. such a deep history with this brand there's such a deep catalog with this brand that they don't really have to do much except get their manufacturing processes in order like i think in the next three years we'll be seeing cool reissues or reimagining of really classic universal genève watches and then probably in about five to seven, there'll be a wholly independent entity from Breitling, probably with their own true leadership. You know, and everyone knows the pole router. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows, you know, that that Universal Genève was like one of the, the biggies. I think they were actually, I think physically their factory was in between Rolex and Paddock uh, back in the 60s and 70s. They were a player. Universal Genève was a player. And, and so for them to have spent the last, you know, 40 years 
uh, in total decline, obscurity, and and for all intents Life's and purposes, dead. Um, you, you know, there's just a ton of opportunity, and, and it's not just the pole router, right? Oh, uh, you're gonna pick one up right when they release, aren't you? Oh, I I don't know. You know, I may start looking at some old stuff. I I think if you do want to get into UG, now was the time. In fact, five years ago was the time, but. You know, it's, it's like my, my dad always used to say, the best time to do that was two weeks ago. The second best time to do that is right now. Yeah. Uh, so if, if that's something you're interested, I imagine the value as anticipation builds is uh, of those used pieces is only going to go up. And, 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 you know, the pull router, I think you could pick those up for, you know, $1,000 in pretty good condition five years ago. Good yeah. luck today. You want to get a pull router sub? Fat chance. Those things are have skyrocketed. So you can get one. It's it's just it's gonna cost you a limb and air and like I'm I'm sure some like backroom stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it is exciting. It is exciting. I'm super pumped for it. Uh yeah, you you know, just to just to be clear, I, I imagine UG comes in at the five to fifteen thousand dollar range, um, maybe competing with, maybe competing with Tudor, more likely with Omega um, and Breitling. I think we're gonna see sort of that. See, I think I see it as, I I, I kind of I hope to see it as a brand that kind of spans those two price points that competes directly with Tag Heuer and competes pretty directly with Tudor because they've got the catalog to be able to compete with both of those brands in a really meaningful way. And to truly revive this brand, you gotta, you got to put it in a place where people are going to buy it. You, you know, I, the reason I suggest it's going to be more uh, than, than Tag Heuer is because I think that there's going to be a focus on in-house horology um, in-house movements, micro rotors, cool shit. And that's just going to cost more. The, yeah. the horological effort that is going to go into those watches is going to be higher than Tudor. And, and so oh, I certainly, yeah. I just don't see if they go that route. I, I they I, have to, they have to, that's what UG is. I think they have to. I hope they do. Yeah. I, I, I think it would be, I think it would be a grave mistake not to. I mean, the grave mistake has been made. At this point, they can't fuck up, right? <laughs> UG's been on life support for 40 years. And I do think Eric Wind has already said in-house that's that's going to be the main focus of this. So, um, Andrew, what do you got? I have a follow-up to something that we talked about this summer. So this summer, we talked about a professional surfer who found a sub, not a, not a submarine, but a Rolex Submariner tangled up in the surf while he was doing his civic duty of beachcombing the surf for debris. He finds it, posts it. The case back has an inscription and the owner found it. Sees the story of a, of a lost sub being discovered where he lost his so now, five years later, this watch is back from a total overhaul 
from Rolex, complete with a period-correct bracelet that had been long lost for him, and a barnacle that was removed from the case, and all of his degraded parts in a little Ziploc baggie. So this fella, Rick, um, Outram? I'm going to say Outram. Outram has been reunited with his sub that was living at the bottom of the ocean for four years. And it looks brand spanking new. This is just like a good heartwarming story. And then you read about the, so this watch was gifted to him when he was 18 years old by his father who has passed 20 years ago, has been across the Pacific Ocean, has backpacked across Europe, Europe with him. This was his one watch. This guy was wearing the sub in the way that it was intended to be worn on a Velcro strap that it's hard to say if, I mean, we, we talked to Frank about this spring bars fail, but it looks like the Velcro failed on this. The way it's like the, the photo of the recovered watch, it looks like the Velcro strap failed him. It, yeah. Re- it's really hard to tell. Cause there's still a spring bar in place. It looks like we've got one missing spring bar. No, it, that bottom spring bar is there. Yeah. It, it looks to me like it was just an incidental. Um, uh, so it's it's recovered. It's returned. It's back on this guy's wrist. What a cool story, and what a plug to get your case packs engraved. Yeah, that's right, and that's how they found it, right? So this this fellow, Rick Utram, saw the article on Fratello and I believe reached out to them, made connection with this fellow. He was able, you know, by the inscription. What a terrific story. I, I, I do think there will probably be people who will say or have said maybe already, it's too bad he got it restored, he should have cleaned it up, blah, 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 blah. You but don't want barnacles living on your watch. It, this it, is also his only watch. Yeah, that's right. It's this dude's. Uh, uh, you know, we don't often sort of directly plug um, other publications, but I thought Fratello did a terrific job with this follow-up. And, and the yeah. original article, you know, w- one of the few articles that we directly reference. I, I thought this was terrific and uh, I, I yeah. love the follow-up. <clears throat> love the fo- the story itself is great and and speaks volumes to why the sub is what it is. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and great photos here. There's some photos of him wearing this thing back in the day and yeah. Uh r- really terrific. The guy seems like a really down-to-earth fellow that's lived probably a pretty cool life, but still seems down-to-earth notwithstanding that. Yeah, he's lived a super cool life, and he has his watch back, and I'm so, so pleased. Yeah, pretty neat. I saw that, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. How magical. <laughs> pretty cool shit. Uh, I, and I suppose not many people lose subs in Perth, I think. No, not Perth. Queen, I think Queensland, Queensland yeah. or Noosa, which I, I think uh, that's how you say that. I'm sure not many people have lost subs there. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. But... Uh, it was it was worth a shot. He shot it, and he got his watch back. Shot his awesome. shot. I want to talk about a Grand Seiko. Uh, uh, Grand Seiko has introduced or reintroduced the SBGW line. Has been sort of one of Grand Seiko's staples these last handful of years. It was kind of the original Grand Seiko for the brand. Uh, you, you know, at least the modern iteration of the brand. And this is their this is their sort of thirty seven and change 
dress watch. They have uh, zhushed. They have zhushed the SBGW dress watch. Soused it up. Uh, I think l- earlier this summer, last summer of 2023, they released in Japan, I believe, a SBGW, a silver dial. I think maybe the the two thirty one. No, I don't know the references. But they released this with like a jubilee. It's a five link, kind of a sexy five link. Mm-hmm. This last week. They made that available to, I think, for the first time. For the first time. To the Americas. So in the past, if you wanted to get an SBGW on a bracelet, you kind of had to do some gymnastics. You had to go through that broker thing that you did for your your titanium G. I think there were ways to do it through ADs. In fact, I think Will at some point explored... Uh, the same type of thing with his Grand Seiko, uh, but it wasn't easy. You can now you can now purchase the oh the three oh five with the the beads of rice um, as of this last week. But they also reintroduced the SBGW three oh one, which is I, I guess some people call this the Japanese Calatrava. Have you ever heard that before? Um. No, but I can see why they would call it that. Yeah. I I, I disagree wholeheartedly with that as the moniker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh I, if that's what you that's what you want to call it, you know. They've also fixed a thing so so one of the problems with these was the you'd get some like leaking or or some aesthetic discoloration at the crystal connection. They fixed that. They've adjusted the lugs so that they can use that 325 bracelet. Um, and and more, it's basically just more of the same. 37.3 millimeters, 44 millimeter lug to lug, terrific size. It, it, they're still like damn near 12 millimeters thick, which is so annoying, Seiko. I know that that's just their thing. They're like, we don't care. A thick watch is fine, but good Christ. Uh, but these are a terrific a, price. It's a thick movement, and it seems unnecessarily so. Y- yeah, well, if for a hand wide movement, this is a it is a, a absolutely the nine S is gorgeous, but terrifically thick. Oh my gosh, Seiko. Yeah, but a, a stunning, really, really stunning movement. The nine S sixty four. It's got like a. 19 millimeters, big shock there. I think it's got like a 72-hour power reserve, which is pretty great. Yeah, 72 hours. You can take it off on Friday, put it back on on Monday. Yeah. Still have to wind it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are available, uh, I, I think, on the bracelet. They're available for 5100 That's the 325 um, um US dollars 4800. That I think that's for the 301. Oh, the they're oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think $5100 for the for the 325. So uh these are pretty cool. I, I think if you're someone who is like wanting to get into that entry level Grand Seiko or you're looking for a dress watch and you're really into the the Seiko aesthetic, you know, these have that sort of traditional grammar design aesthetic i don't know if they if all the principles apply but really a lovely watch the dial just perfect hands perfect markers perfect suratsu polishing stunning watch 
at, at, a, at a really, truly, I would say, entry-level price. Yeah, for Grand Seiko. I, I, I'm not so keen on the uh, leather strap version. But on the bracelet, I am fully about it. Adding a bracelet to it changes the entire personality of that watch for me and turns me on a little bit. Yeah. 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 And they're going to be available worldwide. That's the real win here. This isn't a JDM release. That's the reason we talked about this. Worldwide, available on the bracelet. Go Seiko. Can we... Oh, gosh. Now I don't know what I want to talk about. Um, I want to do another Rowing Blazers collaboration. What is... It's your fucking show, man. What's going on? Rowing Blazers has been a part of eight, nine collaborative releases this year yeah yeah i, I am mean, i so uncool i don't think it's i don't think it's quite that many but they've they, done a bucket load man like they are on it for sure they are hitting this interesting niche of watch collaborations and it it i don't fully understand it for a, a fashion brand like them doing the collaborations that they're doing but their personality is showing so clearly in their watches so this is a collaboration with zodiac and i it is so perfectly fitting for zodiac because zodiac has three watches in ten thousand different colors like zodiac could have made this without rowing blazers but for the Six o'clock rowing blazers logo. And it's a cool release. It but the thing that is a bit of a miss for me is it just looks like Zodiac. All the other rowing blazers releases have been really unique to that brand. It's not something that you would have, like it's not a color scheme you would have otherwise seen. They've introduced some some color in a in a way that's unique to the brand. This just looks like Zodiac to me. Am I stupid? I don't think it. Well, so I will. I think I'll just say for my part. I think part of what makes this tough is that Zodiac is is already so liberal with their use of color, bold colors. Um, you know, ostensibly contrasting colors, and, and so I think it it it's a great fit. But with the the gold zodiac logo and that blue world time bezel, that red GMT hand, I actually maybe disagree with you. I think that this fits perfectly in the rowing blazers aesthetic, uh, and and does a thing a little bit different than I think what we're seeing from Zodiac. And I, I think in particular that use of the primary colors, this feels very trad, very U.S. rowing, very, you know, whatever that thing, whatever that, and, and you called Rowing Blazers a fashion brand. I, I think they're maybe more of a... Lifestyle is maybe more appropriate. A, a culture brand, right? They, they make clothing, they make accessories, but I feel like they're curating... Uh, this culture, this the trad culture in, in some ways. That's fair. But this just looks like a Zodiac to me. 
like I, I imagine if, if they were to come to a release with Ferrer, it would look just like a Ferrer watch. Zodiac does so much color. This is almost like a boring color palette for Zodiac. Yeah, fair enough. I think it's terrific. It, I, I'm not a huge fan of this watch. It, as far as watches go, the World Time Bezel, I'm like sort of met on. I, I don't understand it. It's about as complicated to me as a slide rule. They're super thick. I, I actually don't love them on wrist, uh, but this works, I think. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I just, I, with all the other Rowing Blazers releases, I saw it and I was like, oh, awesome. And then I saw pictures of the watch and I was like, wait, that's it? I think that the uh, the other thing that we haven't mentioned about this is that they took out the traditional world timer cities and subbed them with like 1980s hotspot cities. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I, you know, I do think that there are some fun little things going on here, but it's a pretty, this is a pretty nuanced release when you look at the brands that are involved here. I suppose. 2200 bucks. Limited to 282 pieces. I don't yeah. know if you can still buy these or not. I don't know if they're sold out. I don't know. They um, they have a, what looks like a, um, I've added it to my card on Hodinkee. I think that means you can buy them. And they kind of lightning bolt. They're calling it a NATO strap, so they must have licensed it. So a lightning bolt patterned NATO strap for the their bracelet. An interesting release. Unimatic makes big, bold military watches. Uh, but they've just introduced a collaboration with Messina Labs, what they're calling the U5S-ML, and I think that ML refers to Messina Labs. Uh, this is a 36-millimeter, relatively thin, just over 11, and I say relatively thin, that's thin for Messina Labs, uh, little uh, sort of... <laughs> I don't know, maybe Bauhaus German type of release. It, it's because of the numbering U5. I suspect that after this, after this release, this will be added to Unimatic's uh, current line or 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 available line. What's the word I'm looking for? Catalog. Catalog. That's right. In a non-limited fashion. But this is, I think this is pretty fun uh, from a brand like Unimatic to go like really different, but with the same feeling, you, you know, this still feels German, austere, stoic, uh, harsh maybe. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just, you know, that German Aust sort of yeah, industrial. Austere I think is the, is the right way to phrase that. Uh, this is a neat watch. I, I you, you know, 300 meters of water resistance. So very, very capable. It's got this big oversized crown, really very, uh, uh, Spartan dial with 
know, sort of that Bauhaus, just dash line setup, great handset, 36 millimeters. This is a terrific watch. Yeah, this is good. I, I really like the lug hole placement on this, on this rubber strap. It creates this huge void between the case and the strap strap cap yep don't love it don't i really like that like just a big old strap cap it's actually my one negative thing about this watch is the strap cap i i like that it kind of gives it the illusion that it's floating it's my one it's my one critique yeah but it's pretty cool i'm i'm into it you you know this this feels to me like maybe more so than just about any watch we've talked about on this show for for ages this feels to me like the watch that could be your watch like this is a one watch collection this is for maybe someone smaller or someone who likes a smaller watch i mean this is a weekender or a whatever this is just a watch you talked about that a lot early on in the show andrew this is Mm -hmm. the watch this is a watch uh details 200-1 uh it's a three hand obviously nothing crazy going on 300 meters of water resistance 36 wide 11 thick 22 millimeter lug width though yeah yeah so this has fortunately it works yeah this does have odd proportions and and that's something you'll have to take a take a look at the pictures and and see what you think because that's different for sure um i do really like it a thousand bucks 995 bucks this first one's limited to 300 pieces but again i'm sure we're gonna see this i think if it hits hopefully they they introduce a bracelet for it too because that would be fire on a bracelet, even being as thick as it is. You, you know, I actually think this would look terrific on a bond clip or something. Mm-hmm. Eh, your mileage may vary, but really neat watch. I'm, I'm with you on that. Or even like a shark mesh. Mm, mm-hmm. Next up for me, Aquastar bringing back the Benthos diver in a really good way this is one of the not reimagining not re-envisioning this is a bringing back a true to size really cool dive watch this is coming in at so this is a re-release a reissue of a 1970 dive watch and it looks every bit of it without Fotina and it's real good. It's got a little bit of Fotina in the markers, but it's an accent. That's what it's meant to yeah. be. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's not, it's, it's the loom plots in your dial that are the Fotina bordered by white so i can get down with that this is sized just as it was in 1970 when it was released 42 millimeter case 47 lug to lug so it's a it's a thick one 16 millimeters thick 
here's something interesting. 904L stainless steel. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a metallurgist or an alchemist or anything like that. So I'm not 100% sure the like, property differences between 316L, which is kind of your standard surgical seal that's almost universally used in watches against 904. But I'm intrigued by that. I mean, there's a decision and a really intentional decision because 316 is so readily available that to choose anything else is is intentional. Uh, and I'm almost wondering if 904 is closer to original man, like to the original um, metallurgy. You, you that, know, that, that drove the decision. I don't know. Um, the only company I know of that uses 904 is is Rolex. I, mm-hmm. I can't think of another application of that. So, but you know. And Rolex use they they also they use a proprietary uh, steel, don't they? That's nine oh four. Is it? I thought there was more to it. Mm, I I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Either way, also not a metallurgist. Um, Five hundred meters of water resistance comes on an isoframe rubber strap. This is cool, and it's different right it's a 1970s watch which we're seeing a ton of with kind of the revitalize revitalization of skin divers in not just in, in primarily the micro space and the small brand space but we're seeing a lot of these 1960s 70s 80s reissues this has got a two o'clock crown i'm super into this watch yeah, I think I, I think it's pretty fun. I, I do think that the original came in a chronograph, uh, which I, I don't care about. I don't need a chronograph. Uh, I don't need a chronograph dive watch. The um, the price intrigued me. So I, when I saw when I saw this article, I thought, well, this is going to be expensive. So the you may not be surprised at home to uh, to hear that the Aquastar Deep Star, I think, is a really terrific watch. I'm a huge fan of it. Gorgeous, but pretty pricey. I think those mm-hmm. things are going for like seventeen or eighteen hundred bucks. Uh, so I thought, well, look at this giant five hundred meter. These are pre order of a thousand ninety or or. Final price of thirteen ninety, which, which surprised me. It, it's kind of an interesting move from Aquastar. I think mm-hmm. twenty eight twenty four movement in there. This is this is a cool release, and I, I think those prices are appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think they're. When I saw this thing, I, I thought my thought was, oh, this is going to be way too expensive. But I think that that's right. I think that they're kind of where they should be there. This 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 is a cool release. I'm in that zone of like I want to a. a Good prospect diver. And this introduces some some thought into the decision making. Andrew, I'm going to go back to Seiko for a second. Oh, as you always do. You just can't break away from it. It's it's what we do. Okay, we, we go back to Seiko. Seiko. Always. We, we go back to Seiko. Uh, Seiko has a new five sports. They're calling this the Seiko five sports Field GMT. This is an automatic, unsurprisingly, an automatic 4R34 GMT watch. 
with a fixed steel bezel containing a 24-hour marker set, uh, external marked uh, GMT. I I think there's some obvious comparisons that you could make to Rolex Tudor, perhaps even Seiko's own, I can't remember what they're calling it, the land navigator. Uh, But instead of being a $1,500 Seiko GMT, fixed bezel GMT, this is a super affordable $415 or $500, or $435. Uh, automatic GMT field watch. This thing's terrific. It feels to me like they've done all of the right Seiko things. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, it feels like a Seiko five, and but an Explorer ki- two, but a killer Seiko five. Yeah, the hands are right. All of the hands are right. The hands are right. The markers are right. I'm fine with the Seiko logo. I like the fonts. I think this is a great release. This is a really, really good release. It's 40 millimeters by 20 millimeters. It is 13.6 millimeters thick, which I think the 4R34 dictates. Yeah, I don't think they could have made that any thinner. With 100 meters of water resistance, yeah. This is a perfect release except for being too thick yeah but <laughs> gmt's are thick man yeah, I'm no, like that's right. this isn't a 7750 thick but the four r's thick this I, is there anything thinner with a four r in it i don't know the answer to that i, I think that it's possible the four r is a is a is a fucking thick bitch the um 9075 is or 9075 yes or, is is thinner it you know and so most of the watches i think coming out with the four are pretty chunky i'm okay with that though for what you're getting out of it i i a chronograph and a gmt i'm i'm expecting there to be some girth right if this is just a three-hander what's what's your problem but seiko doesn't do that seiko doesn't do the one weird thing like this is this is the same dimensions as most three handers from Orient. Or Seiko Bulova. does one weird thing, but it's always too thick. That's what that's. <laughs> we yeah, know what it's, it's going to be. It's universal, and then you know they have their weird QC. Like, oh, my bezel doesn't align. Like, I uh, I, I saw this and I was like, that is a terrific looking watch. I wonder how thick it is. And I was not surprised to see damn near fourteen. From from the profile view, it kind of looks seventy seven fifty thick. Yeah, that's right. It, it's huge. Yeah, but pretty neat. I, I think for four hundred and fifteen bucks, this is killer. Certainly, four thirty five on a bracelet. I, I don't know if, if you end up picking this up. Take a look at the. Tell, tell us how the bracelet is because I'm sure it's poop. Yeah, it's gonna be your entry Seiko bracelet, which is just like poo poo, just on the low end of acceptable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Not, it's like the nice poop that you're like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, look, look at what I did. Yeah. How, how about that? <laughs> Felt good coming out. One wipe. Well, two, because there's no such thing as a one wipe. Um, but, you know. With the safety wipe. Yeah. Because maybe you missed. Who knows? 
All right, Andrew, what uh, do you got? Last up for me, uh, it's a brand that we've only talked about a couple times on the show. Uh, Rado. Celebrating the 40th anniversary of a watch release in the Anatom with a new release of an Anatom that is fascinating to me. I think I could just look at pictures of this watch and be perfectly satisfied. Uh, It's not a watch I was familiar with. So for those of you who, like me, had never heard of the Anatom before, uh, it's a 1983 release that is an integrated bracelet rectangular watch. And the 83 version, it looks like a 1983 watch. It has uh, four gem or three gemstone markers in your three, nine, and 12 with a six o'clock date, some horizontal raised marker lines that totally cross the dial. And it's just sort of 80s ugly really 80s ugly yeah it's it's one of those things that 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 i'm glad that influence died out pretty small it was a uh 28 millimeter case um so with the reissue we've sized up a little bit 32 and a half millimeter case which is square so it's gonna wear bigger than that it's certainly gonna wear bigger than that in-house movement. In-house movement, markers all around. And here's where it gets intriguing. It's a curved case to accommodate the increased case size. And and if you look at the profile of it, we're getting the curve. They're, they're achieving the curved case primarily through kind of long lugs. Where is the profile view? I looked at it. Uh, kind of long lugs to kind of stretch out and wrap that case around your wrist. Um, comes with a... These are ceramic, right? Yes. So that's the next part, is when they were looking at doing this, the new um, Rado... The, the, Rado brought someone new in, and they said, look, we're going to we're gonna do something new and cool. We're going to do the Anatom and ceramic, and, which is a difficult material to work with. So they've released this 40th anniversary in black ceramic, Three unlimited colors and one that's the all black, like midnight everything is uh, 40 pieces. And they're calling it the Jubilee. Everything else is unlimited release. 3350 bucks for these. And I you get the tone shift for me because that's, that's, that's a no for me, dog. But I totally get it. Ceramic case, ceramic curved case, in-house movement. This is cool shit uh, and not something that I'd expect from Rado right now. I don't know, man. This feels to me like Rado. It's different than anything else. It's weird. It, it's sort of acquired taste weird. Ceramic square. This feels like Rado to me. <laughs> I, I, I want more, like out of a sport watch like this, though, I want more than 50 meters of water resistance. Meh. Give me 100, man. Like, That's Rado. Yeah, this is this is an interesting release, and it's a cool release. It it looks like an Apple Watch. 
it just does, the, yeah, it like looks the, like an Apple Watch. Yeah. The, the color schemes that they've used, the way they've integrated the bracelet into it, the angles on the case, it looks like an Apple Watch. Well, and I know their new CEO, Brassard, I think is his name. Yes. Is, uh, you know. Certina, that's where he came from. Really yeah. trying to sort of lean on historical Rado. Like, we need to identify who we are as a brand and yeah. and lean on those things. So this feels to me like a, a deliberate move. Kind of a weird watch. I think it's super Some cool. people are going to love it. I think if you're a Rado fanboy, you might... And I'm like, yeah, this is fucking sick. I'm not a Rado fanboy. Same. I don't know much about the the brand at all or have really seen anything that got me excited from them until I saw this. And I was like, oh, what's up? Yeah, that's right. Well, Andrew, a couple of things I do want to talk about outside of uh, outside of the normal. Uh, you, you and I talked about this earlier today, but a uh, longtime friend of the show and a personal friend of mine, Los Angeles Timer on Watch You Seek is how most of you guys know him, uh, has made a post on Watch You Seek where he's doing a charity giveaway. And I I believe these are four watches from his personal collection uh, that he's put up for giveaway uh, to support feeding the hungry people or feeding the hungry organizations in the holiday season. So uh, there'll be a link to this in the show notes. But the four watches available, Orient Defender 2 with Sapphire Mod, an Orient Sun and Moon, a Citizen Nighthawk 2 GMT, and a G-Shock Titanium, a 5600 Titanium Mod uh, that I believe Nick did. Uh, All the... All the pictures are available on Watch You Seek. All, all you need to do is donate $25 to any hunger charity and then post a photo of that donation, a screenshot of that donation. I'm, you know, you can redact as necessary on on the Watch You Seek thread. So I, I know they're trying to get to like, I think the stated number is 30 or or whatever. They're trying to get to X amount of donations, which is only to say, like, hey, participate in this. Uh, but I think that the spirit is great. Holiday season, let's let, let's actually donate to folks locally, perhaps, or mm-hmm. or nationwide. Let's donate to folks that are actually trying to feed people in the holidays. I think it's terrific. I've donated. Uh, I think you should donate, too. I, I think if everybody did this, you know, if there were so many people that there were low odds of winning one of these watches, I think that would be terrific. It's a tiny little thing. It's something you may want to do anyway. Go and post a screenshot. Participate in this thread. I think that that's the bigger thing. Participate in the thread because this is the type of thing that someone will see and be like, I, you know, maybe I don't really want a sun and moon. Uh, but it doesn't matter because this is this is right. I'm just going to do this. I, I should have done it. I don't know why I haven't done it. I'm going to do it. Make this thing blow up. Or you were going to do it anyway. I think so many people donate to uh, charity organizations like this during the holidays anyway. That just, yeah, just get out there and and support it. This is a great, uh, it's an interesting campaign in that it's not 
focused on like his neighborhood. Like, hey, I'm going to donate to this charity or this national organization. The whole idea of it is putting money back into your community to support your community. Um, and a lot of these people are, a lot of the posts that I read are like, I don't really care about the giveaway, but here's a picture of what I donated. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I think there are more people who donated said, I don't, I don't want to be in the giveaway. Uh, you know, just go take a picture. And if, if you win a watch and you want to, you want to pass on it, you can do that, but just participate in this thing. Because if you're hearing this and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I don't care about those watches, but I do want to do this thing that will encourage somebody else, somebody who's in the same boat as you. And if we encourage through this show, I, I think if we could convince 10 people to do this, that's 250 bucks in these charitable organizations hands. And with 250 bucks, I think that they're probably going to be able to feed something like a hundred people. Something like that. I mean, that's shoot, my guess. The, the maybe, maybe more than that, the holiday bags at Fred Meyer, where it's like, Hey, this is a bag for a family of four. And you know, obviously the ham will get thrown in it or like 20 bucks. So the reason we're talking yeah. about this today is because we want you, whether you enter the contest or not, I'm going to encourage you to enter the contest anyway, even if you don't want one of the watches, because by you doing the thing, you're going to encourage someone else to do the thing. In, uh, in, in, in fact, just submit the picture and don't ask for the watches. Just appreciate that the 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 motivation that he's putting out there to say, let's go and, and invest in our community. Post a picture, yeah. participate, donate 25 bucks. Everybody do it. Do it. Thanks, Los Angeles Timer. Appreciate the appreciate you hitting me up, showing me that. Uh, and yeah, Andrew, other things, what do you got? I, I have another thing. Give me a moment to pour it. Okay. <laughs> I always like Andrew's other things when he's pouring them. Okay, so other day, I go to the liquor store. I was doing a uh, a whiskey marinade. So I needed to go get some cheap booze. There was a uh, promotional fella standing by the front door. He was like, hey, would you like a taste? And I was like, no, thank you. I appreciate your time and effort, though. Um, and I went to do my thing. And as I was walking out, I looked at what he had. And he had bottles of tequila on his barrel, which intrigued me because I am in a bit of a tequila... I've always been in a tequila phase. I, I think I might prefer mezcal and reposado tequilas to whiskeys and scotch. I think I could. So anyway, this is a uh, <clears throat> relatively new tequila distillery called Yayo. Y-E-Y-O tequila. It's not cocaine. No. I, I just took a drink, so I hope it's not. Or maybe I hope it is. What's well, laced with it? <laughs> yeah, yo, gotcha. <clears throat> so uh, I was like, you know what, man, I'm gonna try it. And he poured me a little sample taste. I took a taste of it, and I was shocked. So this is a blanco tequila. Uh, usually blanco tequilas are pretty sweet, like a little salty, or they're just like super flat. Um, this drinks like a. And Yeho tequila. It's got a like a deep flavor profile. It's the closest to a sipping tequila I've ever had out of a Blanco. Right? Blancos are not long aged. They're not aged in 
oak so they don't absorb color. Um, yeah, the glass got a little, it's a little yucky, whatever. Just drink the tequila. It's disinfecting it from the inside. But I super dig it. So this brand, uh, they've released a uh, Añejo this year. Uh, they do some weird stuff, right? They serenade their precious fermentation with classical music for over 190, 190 hours, creating a relaxed and harmonious environment for both yeast and distiller. It's a double distilled tequila in copper. It it's yummy. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Like th- this is not even I wouldn't even treat this as a like a mixing blanco. I don't think. Maybe maybe grapefruit. Cuz it's going to it's going to retain some of that like not smoky notes, but like super agave. Yeah, I'm not getting any of smoke like earthy, here. Yeah earthy notes to it this is a it, i mean i bought it so i i tasted it and i took a bottle off of his barrel and took it to the counter to to buy it it's it, about it, 50 bucks depending it, on what state you're in it's really nice it's it's got like a sort of uh like very familiar front end but the back end is totally mezcali right it's like an aged yeah, I'm not getting that smoky or mezcal, but it is really pleasant on the mm-hmm. finish. There's no there's no harshness. In fact, all the way through, like even at the beginning, you get that bright tequila uh, smell and nose hit, but then everything all the way through the rest of the swallow is just super pleasant, n- nothing objectionable almost. Yep, smooth drinking. I've never had a Blanco tequila that I would drink neat and... I think I prefer this with a like a half ice cube. Yeah, I don't know if I would. In fact, because that's a, maybe my one objection is it's got just a touch of heat, but it it's not very hot. And so I think if you put an ice cube in it, it would just turn it to mush. I want it a little chilled though. I don't like it at room temperature. It, it might be nice cold. Yeah, like maybe shake and then drain. Store it in the freezer. That's where I, I usually I keep. Think I, I think that's drinking tequila. Too cold. I want it just like I want it below room temperature. I want it like fifty degrees. Put it in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't have a beer fridge anymore. I shit the bed, so my beer fridge is empty, and I'm scared to open it because there is a is a dead Scooby in there. Uh, what's a Scooby? The oh, thing you make kombucha oh, with, bro. Uh, it's in a jar, but I'm scared to open that fridge. Like I, th- I think I might just take it to the dump with its contents inside. <laughs> uh yeah um (laughs) it's been dead for like five months oh god yeah yeah just tape it up and take it to the fucking dump i think that's what i'm gonna do can you take a fridge to the dump yeah you gotta pay like 15 bucks well i like your tequila i don't like your scooby uh it's called scoby i'm aware of that but i call it a scooby i've got another thing do me my other thing, this is one of those, you, you, you know, sometimes we, we talk about really neat things. Sometimes we talk about booze or shows. This is not one of those things. This is actually kind of a boring, st- stupid. It's a stupid other thing. Uh, but it was the type of thing that I picked up and I was like, uh, yeah, that's fucking rad. Um, it, you know, I think it's been out for probably about six months but I was not acquainted with it until I updated to iOS 17. But there is a mode 
with an iPhone where if you're plugged in and you turn the phone on its side and set it down, it pulls up a clock and a calendar. They call it standby mode. Do you know what this is? I have never seen this. So with stand, I, I recently became acquainted with standby mode. And it, during the day or when it's light outside, it pulls up full color. But at night, it pulls up a really sort of low-intensity red light version of this thing. What? And your phone is, like, motion-sensitive, too. So, like, at night... So, so this is not my other thing. Standby mode is not my other thing. It's my other thing. I'm changing my other thing. But it's really cool. And so I've been propping my phone on its side when I plug it in at night. I use what? A, this has been turned on the whole time? I use a MagSafe charger. And so I've been, when I discovered the standby mode existed, I have been setting my phone on its side. And then if I wake up in the middle of the night, I just kind of like reach out and wave at the phone. And it tells me what time, but it's a red light. So it's not super intense. It doesn't bother the wife doesn't bother me, doesn't mess with my eyes, and I can see what time it is. It's really neat. Uh, that's you, not my other thing. You you mean it's like an alarm clock with red light that you used to plug in that we all used to have? Kind of like that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which we all took off our nightstands when we got iPhones, right? Yeah, well, because we ran out of outlets. <laughs> and so uh, the problem I was having is my phone would fall over, and then I couldn't see it, and then I'm scrambling, and I'm making noise. Uh, disastrous <laughs> disaster so i wanted an iphone stand i didn't want I, you know like uh you know you know there's companies that are making like hundred dollar stands and then there's there's companies that are making inexpensive stands but that are really like technical and they've got like little iWatch holders or apple watch holders and i'm buying them off of ollie and then selling them in my etsy shop i don't want anything i don't want anything super technical I don't want anything that's like, like gadgety. I don't want anything that's too expensive and made from fucking like organically harvested bamboo. bamboo. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Mine are made out of. Uh, and so I find this. I find this highly rated yeah, iPhone stand on Amazon called the Alago MS4. And it looks perfect. It's got a little hole in it to accept your MagSafe charger. It's got cable routing, but otherwise, it's just a piece of bent aluminum. It's a triangle. It's a little triangle. And it looks really simple, and the anodizing looked nice on the Amazon pictures. I get this thing, and I put it on my fucking nightstand, and it is... I'm like, this thing is dope. It's got this rubber gasket that accepts your Apple branded MagSafe charger. The cabling cable routing is perfect. I, I mean, it was just like one of those things I picked up and I was like, I love this. I love it. I love it. And I don't know this brand, Ilago. I know nothing about them. But this, I paid 25 bucks for this thing, which is maybe a lot of money for a piece of bent aluminum and a silicone gasket. But isn't for what it is, I don't think it's a crazy amount of money. And I've been using this thing now for like a week. And it's just, I'm like, what? how did I ever live without this thing? So my it, other thing for the and, week. And, and that rubber gasket, does it rotate freely? You can rotate it. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Is that, is that how you orient your phone or do you just orient? Is the MagSafe magnet sufficient to hold your phone? It, yeah, it holds your phone. Yeah. The, have you used MagSafe? No. Oh. Yeah. I live in the Stone Age, man. It, I have an iPhone 11, I think. 
totally sufficient. So I go to bed at night. I read sometimes with my phone, sometimes with my Kindle. But I go to bed at night. I get in bed, and I can just set my phone like this, Andrew. I just put my phone on this thing. You feel it catch. Kind of snaps it, in. Why isn't it doing it now? Because it's not plugged in. Oh, oh. That's oh, right. Does it have to be plugged in or mag? It can be so, either one. So okay. I do this. I take my phone. I put it on the thing. And it starts charging. And it turns on standby mode. And then when I wake up, say 2 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, I got to pee. I grab it. I take use my light to get to the bathroom. I come back. You have to use a light to navigate to your bathroom? Yeah, I don't want to step on something or kick the dog or... Hit my dingling on the door. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, you break your nose before you do that. Shit's scary. <laughs> it's a scary house, man. <laughs> I feel good about my joke. Uh, yeah, this that, thing's it's rad. What's that spatial memory type called? There's a there's a specific name for that type of spatial memory. I don't um, know. I don't have it. So I yes, I use my phone <laughs> to navigate to the bathroom at night. I don't have that. <laughs> Whatever like that is. It's like 12 steps. Nope, I don't have it. Yeah, it's I, like 10 if you go to the shower. It's not that I'm going to die. It's that I'm going to like kick over something and it's going to crash down and everybody in the house is going to wake up and be like, what happened? I try what, to make, what happened? I try to make as little noise as possible at night. If, if the kids are sleeping, I do everything in my power to continue that state. Are they light sleepers? One of them is. One of them is a light sleeper, and and he's also the noisiest person I've ever met in my life. And so if he's awake, everybody's awake. We could we could go into my kids' rooms right now. Yeah, I know. And swap them. So <laughs> like the they, other the other boy is that way. The other boy is that <laughs> way. You could like go in there, jump on the bed, and he'd be like, and then walk out. He's still, but and have yeah. But the other boy, you like, like like accidentally slide your foot against the floor in a sock for a, like six inches. And he's like, ah, I was time for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I right. might, I might do that tonight. I might put my kids in each other's beds. <laughs> Ilago MS4. That's my other thing for the week. That's really like great. A, that's a good other thing. You were like, Oh, it's boring. That's not a boring other thing. That's the kind of shit that, that's our kind of thing. It's sort of a double whammy too, because the standby mode. I find that that this is something like you either know about it and you're like, yeah, no shit, it's awesome, or you don't know about it and you're like, why didn't I know about this? Thing? They didn't like. I feel like that wasn't publicized. It's because it's usually awesome. when they do updates or like new iterations of iPhone, they're like, and now introducing. Well, so I they found just, mine on. They just care about cameras. I found mine on accident. I like had my phone plugged in and I like turned it on its side and this thing popped up and I was like, what am I looking at? <laughs> and then I like looked it up and sure enough. Can it's you customize thing. it like widgets? Yes, 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 yes. It's awesome. How about that? How, how about that? I am a dinosaur. <laughs> I like, saw, I was you're at, like, how does MagSafe work? I know how it works. Uh, I saw a kid uh, at a chess at this chess tournament for our kids. Was it last week? Who had a flip phone, and I and he wasn't like middle school aged, and he was walking around with it flipped open, 
feeling about as cool as we did when flip phones came out and we were showing off the fact that I had a flip phone and when you closed it and you could slide the little thing on it and you had a front facing camera. And I was like, I, I was really proud of that kid because everyone else had an iPhone. Yeah, you know, that poor kid. He's he's the kid who like at middle school had to hide his salt and pepper CD because yeah. it was not allowed. Oh boy. So this is not another thing, but this is just this is a thing <laughs> that occurred to me that or that happened to me this week and it it blew my mind. I'm like and I just have to share it. So my eight-year-old got a library card through the school district. Everyone got a library card. He was really excited to go to the library. And I was like, sweet dude, I'll we'll go to the library. We go to the library and I'm like, I I don't I try to not help him with things, especially as he's navigating new environments. I try to let him just like I'm there as a safety net, but I, I want him to do it. Like we go to the dentist office. He checks himself in. I, I stand like five feet away from him. He walks up to the counter. He checks himself in. Like that's just a thing that I do. Um, he's sharpening knife blades. Go for it. Exactly. The like, grinder is right there. Chopping wood. Like make sure you get your thumb out and away from your hand and near the top of the wood to really stabilize it. So we get to the library, right? They have computer directories so you can look up the title of your book that you're looking for. It gives you the reference number for where you're looking in the children's section of the library. He, he goes to this desktop computer that has a standard keyboard sitting in front of it. He steps up onto the step stool. He positions the keyboard in front of him. He uses the mouse to navigate to the keyword search. He closes his fists and extends his thumbs, like not thumbs up, but pretty close to it, and then starts typing with his thumbs on an actual keyboard. And I almost lost it. I'm still aghast. Why, why did this bother you so much? I'm, I'm a little confused. Because when when we were first learning to use keyboards, you use your index finger, right? Pecking away. But because these kids are so accustomed to grasping mm. their tablet mm, or mm, their mm. electronic device with their hand, the thumb has become the hunt and peck mechanism oh yeah it's interesting for typing and it blew my mind and i was like what are you doing he's like i'm typing it's like no (laughs) (laughs) you sure as shit are not uh it it blew my mind that's funny it's that's a thing that like never occurred to me it's just like when we were growing up you ate soup from the edges right because that's where it was cool because it came out of the pot and the edges were cool but now it's now kids it comes out of the microwave, so they eat it from the middle where it's not heated through. Like, just these strange things with technological changes that totally change our basic behaviors. The thumb typing blew my mind, and I immediately recognized it for what it was. <laughs> and I was like, I think I hate this. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think we are done for the night. I do want to make one quick shout out. I want to make a shout out to the Man on Time forums. I think manontime.com. This is a forum that was started, I think, probably 2019 or 2020. No, before that, maybe 2018 or 2019. In response to some policies from another watch forum. Uh, and it, it has, 
started humble beginnings and has turned into a full-on watch forum. I've spent some time there in the last few weeks. I've also become involved in the Man on Time Discord. Uh, Really terrific group of folks. So this is your shout-out, manontime.com. Really great place. If you're interested in a community of, of actually pretty rad watch folks, I think it's about as good a community as there is out there. You get everything from... Jaeger LaCoultra to people bitching about $600 is too much for this or that. Uh, the full spectrum of watches. Uh, really great community. Lo- super active. Really nice. Really friendly. Really welcoming. Uh, great place. Acrylic crystal for 600 bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was my, not another thing, but final yeah, shout out of the night. A good plug. Yeah, they didn't pay me. They didn't even pay me. I asked them to pay me, and they said no. But now that you've done the plug, they will. <laughs> Maybe I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping there's money no, it coming. Was, it was yeah. checks in the mail. Yeah, now it is. They're licking <laughs> the stamp. Andrew, anything you want to add before we go for the night? I'm out of things, man. Hey, folks, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Forty and Twenty, the Watch Clicker Podcast. Do me a favor, check us out at our website, WatchClicker.com. That's where we post every single episode of this podcast, but also where we post articles, reviews, news about our collaboration with Notice Watches. Uh, (laughs) You can also check us out on socials, really at Instagram, at WatchClicker or at 40 and 20 underscore WatchClicker. Stop tagging at 40 and 20. Uh, You can do it, but whatever. But this is not going to go anywhere. Uh, You can also support us. And and really, 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 we hope you do want to support us. You can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, these new microphones purchased directly with money from supporters. We also have monthly hosting for photos and audio. All the audio. All the audio. It's a lot of money. Uh, All of you are already supporting us. We thank you. And if not, check us out. Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.